0: and it should be now on. Well, we are continuing on in our sermon series. We are working through the liturgy of what we do each week when we gather together here. We've looked at singing, worship, we've looked at prayer, and we're still looking at prayer. Last week, last time we were together, we looked at what prayer is, right? Prayer is a chance for us to connect with God. Prayer is a chance for us to be molded into relationship with him. We really emphasize prayer here at McDowell Village. Remember, we counted up how many times do we pray in our 45 minutes together? We pray seven times, right? Almost every six minutes we are offering some sort of prayer. Now for six of those seven prayers, they're a little different each week. Yeah, there are things I try to emphasize and you're maybe sick of hearing me say that all the time, right? Pray that God guides us, protects us, keeps us. Pray that he causes us to love him, love one another more and more every day. I do tend to repeat myself a little bit because I think these things matter. But while six of these seven prayers do change week to week, there is one prayer that is always the same. One prayer that we make sure to include each and every week. And that's the Lord's Prayer. I grew up in a church setting where we did not really pray the Lord's Prayer that often. Maybe that's a similar background to you. We grew up in a church that didn't have a lot of ritual or routine. It wasn't until seminary that I really got into a practice of hearing this prayed consistently and continually. And I fell in love with it. While I usually read from the English Standard Version, you might notice, or pay attention to the Lord's Prayer, that has lots of thy and thine. Uh, It's the King James Version, the beauty and the poetry of English put to Jesus' words. What is the Lord's Prayer, though? It doesn't just magically pop out of heaven out of context. It's something Jesus tells his disciples to pray. And in fact, while we call it the Lord's Prayer, it's more rightly, the disciples' prayer. It's what he hopes we will be praying continually. And it shows up in a particular context for a particular reason. What I want us to do today is to go to that passage. We're going to look at the passage in Luke, but it also, or I'm sorry, in Matthew, but it also shows up in Luke. And it wants to see why did Jesus instruct his disciples to pray in this way? What's the significance? We've looked at the significance of prayer, but what's the significance of this prayer? That he wants us to have it always at the back of our minds. Let me read for us from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to begin in verse 5. When you pray, Jesus says, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on street corners so that they will be seen by people. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But as for you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close the door, and pray to your Father who in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use thoughtless repetition as Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. And when you pray, pray in this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And do not lead us in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive other people for their offenses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive other people, then your Father will not forgive your offenses. There's the passage, there's the context in which the Lord's Prayer is given. Now, as I read through, you might have said, wait, he skipped a line. He skipped the last line of the prayer, we always pray. We'll talk about that in a moment. It's not actually here. It's something the church has added in, but we'll talk about its significance and why I do think it matters that we keep praying that. In the context of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is trying to introduce this prayer as a corrective. It's important to talk to God. Yes, we talked about this last week. It's an important part of how we grow together with him, how we grow together with one another. But because of its importance, there are many improper ways, improper attitudes to bring to scripture and to bring to prayer. And Jesus points out two warnings, two things. He's like, don't be like these people when you pray. First, he says, don't be like the hypocrites. And here he is using code. He's talking about the Pharisees. He is going after a specific religious group, a group that does claim to love God's word and they do after a fashion. But they like to be very showy about their faith. They like to do things to have people look at them and go, wow, that person must really love God because look at all the things they go through. Look at all the attention they draw to themselves. Jesus makes a very dangerous point here. He says, when they do this, they have received their reward in full. They've gotten the attention of the people around them. That is their reward. That is what they get from their prayer. They get nothing else. God has not heard their prayer. God is not listening to their prayer. What prayer is all about, drawing closer into relationship with God and closer in relationship with one another, that's not part of their reward for that prayer. Because they have done it for attention and prayer is not about intention it's about authenticity it's about a real relationship a real heart coming to god and saying i want to know you more i want to grow closer in relationship with you help me become the person you want me to be help me love you and love my neighbor as myself prayer is not about gaining attention this is a temptation for all of us friends i will be very honest it's a temptation to me uh, for me sometimes i wonder and i always want to check myself why am I saying this? Why am I doing things in this way? Am I doing things because it's what a pastor, it's what a teacher is supposed to do? Or is it because that's where my heart is truly at? I'll be honest, there are times where I look back and I go, I, I may have been kind of faking it for the sake of other people. And I need to repent of that. And I need to draw closer to God. When we pray, when we talk with one another, are we being authentic? Or are we just saying what we expect? or what we think other people expect us to say and to do as Christians. Prayer and what Jesus is after is authenticity, not attention. He brings up a second example. He says, also don't pray like the Gentiles, right? Israel, Jesus right now, right? They're living amidst a pluralistic culture, a culture that has Roman and Greek gods, prayers and temples for them. Their prayers, Jesus says, They think they're going to be heard because they keep heaping up word after word. They keep talking and talking and talking and they assume eventually God, you know, something's going to get through and God's going to hear them. They go through elaborate rituals, trying to charm the gods into listening to them. And Jesus says, don't be like them. When you go to pray to God, he's like, you realize your father in heaven already knows what you need before you even start that prayer. You don't need some sort of ritual. You don't need to right, give him a laundry list of every potential thing you have ever done, everything you're worried about, everything on your heart. He knows it already. It's not about ritual. It's about relationship. God wants you to talk with him. He already knows everything. Have you thought about this? We didn't dwell on it too much last week. But in prayer, when we're talking to God, we're talking to someone that already knows everything. Already knows everything on our heart, everything we're going to ask, everything we're even going to say in that prayer. But why does he still ask us to do it? Because it's a relationship. We get drawn closer to the people we talk with, the people we spend time with. God wants us to talk to him, to draw us closer to him. C.S. Lewis, uh, in the Chronicles of Narnia, which is a fun and interesting analog for the Christian faith in some ways, talks about Aslan, the stand-in for Jesus. And a character talking about him saying, Yeah, he knows everything, but I think he just likes to be asked. He already knows what people need, but he likes relationship. He likes people to come to him. Prayer is not about ritual. It's not about heaping up word after word in the hopes that God hears us. It's about coming to him, knowing who he is and what he wants, and what he wants is relationship. So having warned us against two ways of praying, praying for attention and praying through just rote ritual without thinking about it, without being mindful of what we're saying jesus comes to us and say so i instruct you to pray in this way the lord's prayer then is a corrective it's an attempt to fix it's an attempt to go here is the template for how you can pray how you can focus on what is essential and what is important the lord's prayer we're going to walk through it here is a essential reminder of the needs for daily christian living just as our bodies need nutrients to survive each day our spirits Need reminders of certain things each day. This prayer touches on the following truths, kind of in order. It starts, our Father. Don't gloss over just those first two words. That is incredibly important. Who are we praying to? Is it some distant God who is alien to us, foreign? A God who we're maybe afraid of, a God who we are going to have to control to hear us? A God distant? No. We are praying to a God who is imminent, a God who is present, a God who has called us his children, our father. That's incredibly important. We believe God is creator of the universe, eternal, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, mighty maker of this vast and glorious universe. And as human knowledge continues to grow, we recognize how vast and amazing and great the universe is, and God is greater still. A God that great, a God that transcendent. Does he actually have time for you and me? Will he actually be mindful of little old me, some inconsequential speck on a planet in the midst of this vast universe? The prayer gives us that important reminder Our Father, a beautiful term of relationship, connection. Not a distant foreign God, but our Father. We go on. Who is in heaven? There is a reminder here that we need to acknowledge God as God. Our Father brings God down to our level, that we have a connection with Him. Our Father who is in heaven reminds us though that He is not just like a person. He is something beyond. There is a a commemoration, a understanding of this transcendence, of this omnipotence, of the power of God. He needs to be God in our lives. Not just a genie, not just a self-help guru, not just someone we lean on when times are bad and then kind of ignore when times are good. He is God. He needs to remain God in our lives, even as we have that connection with him. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. An important reminder, right, to keep God's name as holy, to keep his name as sacred, as something special. We are to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our lives, friends, have a purpose and a meaning, and they should have a desire at their core, a desire to see God's plans come to pass. That time is not just running forever forward according to the machinations of human will and desire, but God has a plan and a purpose to redeem all things, to bring them back together in the new heavens and new earth where we can live with God. The Lord's Prayer reminds us to pray so that our desires are aligned with God's plans. We long for them to come to pass. We long for God to be here and present with us. Verse 11, we continue, Give us this day our daily bread. It's a beautiful reminder to trust God in the moment. The Lord's Prayer doesn't give us this week our weekly bread, give us this month our monthly bread, give us this year our yearly bread. This isn't a yearly check-in. This isn't a monthly check-in. This isn't a weekly check-in. What is this prayer for? Give us today what we need today. It tells us, by the way, right? How often should we be praying this prayer? It's a daily reminder to connect with God. And it's a reminder to focus and trust in the present moment. There are so many things our attention, our minds go and worry about. COVID has been the most recent example, but it's certainly not the only example in any of our lives, right? There are so many things in the world that we go, this is out of our control. I worry what's going to happen tomorrow, the day after that. I worry about the affairs of nations. I worry what's going to happen to my kids as they get older. We can get so lost in worrying about the future that we forget about the present, forget about the moment, forget about the plans God is calling us to. Give us this day our daily bread as a reminder to Leave those things in God's hands. The future has enough trouble of its own. Trust and be present with God today. Ask for what you need today. God's never going to get tired of you coming to him asking for help and support. You don't have to like, bankroll, I need to ask God for help for the next seven days because he's going to be tired of me if I come to him tomorrow. God says, come to me and ask what you need today. And tomorrow, come to me again. Ask what you need for the day. Be present with God each day of your life. Forgive us our debts, Jesus goes on, as we forgive those who have sinned against us, or forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Jesus elaborates on this at the end of the the teaching here, that if we are people who do not want to forgive others, how can we expect God to forgive us? There are plenty of parables about how much God has already forgiven us, and therefore we are called to forgive others. The Lord's Prayer has a reminder of sin, and that is vital. A reminder that we are not perfect. We do sin. We do hurt those around us. We do hurt God. But He loves us. He forgives us. He has poured out immeasurable grace upon us. We remind ourselves of our sin and the grace given to us so that we can go out and also give grace to those who sin against us. There is a call to uh, obey the commandments of God. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, right? Forgive our debts and then to uh, protect us from this fallen world. This is a broken world, a world full of temptation and full of evil. God is the God who can protect us. So the Lord's Prayer ends with this reminder. Friends, these points, the truth of our relationship with God an acknowledgement of God as God, a desire to see his plans come to pass, trusting him in the moment, remembering our sin and the grace given to us, obedience to him and a call for protection. These are daily nutrients that our souls need, our spirits need to thrive and to grow. The Lord's Prayer is the template, a reminder of here's what is essential, Here's what you need to be focusing on, paying attention to each week. Now, the Lord's Prayer we pray each week has one additional line added to it. If you flip your uh, bulletin over, you can see it, right? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. That's not in the prayer Jesus just taught. It's not in the, uh, the prayer either in Luke. Now, where did this come from? It's not part of Jesus' words, but from the earliest teachings of the Christian fathers, from the earliest time the church gathers together, we see this line being added in. It is biblical. They didn't just make it up out of nowhere. It seems to be derived from 1 Chronicles 29, 11-13, a prayer from the Old Testament. A plea to see God grow, that his kingdom and his power would go forth. I think it's an important part that we continue to add in and pray. Jesus's prayer is a reminder for our souls, what we need to grow and to flourish. This last line is an important reminder as it speaks to the generational life, the multinational life of the church. It's a call for all of us to remember. It's God's kingdom, God's power and God's glory that we should be concerned with. It's not just about our time. It's not just about our country. These might be important things, but we, when we gather together, are the Church. And so it is the Kingdom of God, it is His power and His glory that everything should go for. For Thine, O God, is the Kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever, generation to generation. Countries come and go, but the Kingdom of Christ, the Kingdom of God, remains. His Church continues. And so we focus on that, giving Him glory, generation after generation. Amen. Friends, this Lord's Prayer is a wonderful template, a wonderful reminder of what you need in your life each day. What I hope we would take from this, what I hope you take from it when you come here on Sunday morning, but also in your daily life, is to allow prayer to focus and nourish you. That's what the Lord's Prayer is trying to do. Here's what you need. If you want to grow in your relationship with God, here's what your soul needs, the nutrients. The Lord's Prayer is a wonderful template of all those things. Remembering who God is, remembering what he has done for us, aligning our desires to him. Allow this prayer and allow prayer in general to nourish you, to cause you to flourish and to grow this week. Allow this to be your starting point. In whatever time you spend with God this week, if you are at a loss for words, if you are wondering, uh, what am I supposed to be doing? How am I supposed to be drawing closer to God? I hope this week you remember the Lord's Prayer. Walk through it. Focus on it. Remember who God is in your life. Can you bow your heads with me as we pray?